welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host, JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's Professional Wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. We hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, various other uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010's journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW. And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley Fletcher cast. Enjoy. Okay, it's All Japan Women Destiny Podcast time. Here we are. Yet again, it is IJD doing some All Japan Women. It is episode 88 of the classics, uh, the tried and true episode <laughs> going by the classics. This is from February 18th, 1994, a TV show taping that took place from Fukuoka, Japan. Uh, attendance not listed, but you can probably estimate around uh, 1,500 for this show. And uh, two of these matches were rated in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter when it uh, broadcasted on February 23rd, 1994. Uh, the semi-main event getting four stars and the main event <laughs> getting four and a half, which is uh, quite incredible, but a product of the time because they were doing things that were ahead of their time. And not working like uh, the men. The men had to catch up to their style, not the other way around. So that's what that's like. Um, the uh, big thing coming out uh, just before this was the press conference that was held on February 8th from All Japan Women. And they're gearing up for a big Yokohama Arena show March 27th, which features Aja Kong and Bull Nakano going up against Akira Hokuto and Shinobu Kandori. Yes, they are teaming together for a big all-star main event tag team match. And also on that show is uh, Kyuji Suzuki and Ozaki against Mita and Shimoda, LCO. Uh, Miki Honda and Kurenai defending the Japanese tag titles against Kari Ito and Tomoko Watanabe, a rematch from last year, uh, as in 1993. Candy Akotsu will be defending the junior title against the winner of a junior league that they're going to do, AJW, that is. A uh, little, um, think of it as like a tournament for the future belt. 
which will take place all throughout March on house shows. So they're actually going to have three separate uh, press conferences leading into March 27 to kind of keep it relevant in the in the news uh, in which the obviously Kong and Nakano match will be the main event. Uh, and the continuing talk of the Tokyo Dome and Hokuto's re- official, official, official retirement match is right there. But it's also going to be a retirement show for Bull Nakano, uh, which is strange to read considering they're going to give her a big push again in the promotion because of how ravaged this roster is with injuries. Uh, I sp- I've been sp- speaking about this more and more throughout 1993 and now into 1994 that this roster is hurting and it's no wonder they're they're really concentrating on interpromotional warfare because they need to fill out these cards and they need roster members and they need they need people to do this and and guess what they need made eventers and Hokuto's not there anymore. Hokuto is now in Mexico and she's <laughs> already wrestling again under a mask and uh she's getting like news recognition over in Mexico because of how athletic and far ahead of everyone else uh, of who she is and where she is. And are we even surprised? <laughs> so that's something, but uh, that bull Nakano uh, 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 kind of release of she's going to get a push in 1994 uh, kind of surprises me because over on the LLPW podcast, I do on the Patreon, Patreon.com slash Redleaf Retrocast, LLPW Reviews Monthly. Uh, I'm at the point in mid-1994 where she's going to be doing WWF shows, and she's essentially going to be signed there full-time. So what does that mean for All Japan? Are they just going to allow Nakano to come in and out of this promotion uh, whenever she can, and... Uh, they'll just put her over strong in huge matches. Are they going to redo a Nakano Aja Kong match? Or is Bull Nakano going to be a big feature in these interpromotional matches uh, with fresh talent that we haven't seen her go up against before? And and that would be probably better considering you wouldn't be seeing your quote unquote part timer beating your own roster over again when she's A, going to retire and B, going to be a part-timer in your in your promotion. There's also now this big thing with WWF going on where the Federation is going to be doing a lot of house shows in Japan in May and uh, maybe into early June of 94, in which Medusa... <laughs> yes, WWF will call her Medusa while in Japan. Uh, you could get away with that at the time. Uh, and uh, they got a program with Medusa set up as uh, Aja Kong. Um, it's going to be Bull Nakano, Saki Asagawa, and Kyoko Inoue uh, that are going to be on tour with WWF during that time, in which Medusa will be in a program with the three of them, with Nakano beating Medusa, and then Medusa beating Hasegawa and Kyoko Inoue. So Kyoko Inoue's role is to uh, give the quote-unquote big star a good match and put her over hey look at that doing the job kyoko in a way uh it was officially announced that numachi the uh the gardener girl uh she announced her retirement she suffered a crazy bad neck injury on january 29th 
And uh, it was also revealed that she suffers from uh, bronchial asthma, which uh, limits her, I guess, athletic ability in the ring. And when you're up against these All Japan women running the ropes, go, go, go. Boy, do I know what it's like to be kind of put in that uh, position of uh, got to calm that asthma asthma down when you're running, running like that. So, uh, hey, I feel you. I feel you, Gardner. But she's out. So then now that's um, so Marika Yoshida, neck injury out. Yumachi, neck injury out. Uh, uh, Bat Yoshinaga, neck injury out. There's three right there. <laughs> uh, the The injuries are bad, so. I guess if I was in kind of the same position, hell, I'd be pushing Bull Nakano the same way as well. I'd, I'd still want her on my shows. And that's where this promotion is. So when I went to this, uh, went and watched this classics episode, and I saw just what was kind of going on here, I'm getting kind of this feeling of stale throughout these shows. Uh, when it's just AJW wrestling themselves. I find myself is watching the openers and being more interested in like Ari Tamada and Tomoko Watanabe and what are they going to do in this position. I'm watching Suzuka Minami and I'm, I'm wondering, why isn't she kind of put in a higher position herself if they're struggling to put people on top? Why not give her a chance and... Well, I also understand that in the business sense that, okay, they've had her since 88, uh, more or less. She's kind of had all the opportunities she she could to be on top, and it just didn't work out. So they got to keep trying with someone like Asaki Hasegawa instead. I totally get it. And then you got Chikako Siratori and Kumiko Mikawa kind of in the wings on that young crop coming up. Uh why did I just go through all that? Well, it was just the opening match, and you'll like if you've seen a thousand of them, you've definitely seen all, all of what you can. Takako Inoue defeats Mima Shimoda, the second match of the card here. I uh, vastly enjoyed this. I was close to going two out of three. I thought this match was worked very well, and it really got me thinking about kind of how show styles comparatively to, let's say, modern TJPW. Or at least in the the higher end workers, uh, and stardom, or even pure J, for that matter. If I'm uh, talking about the three promotions I watch the most, uh, in a way, and Shimoda worked in a physical sense that had you kind of buy into what they're doing. And even though they did a lot of kind of hair pulling and uh, scissor locks and the like, they definitely looked and felt like they were more engaged at a match style rather than, I guess just, I can't say going through the motions, but I think JPQ on the last Pure J podcast kind of said he needs, he wants more kind of fire and more, he, he I believe he even said the word physicality in his matches. Needs There needs to be, look, there needs to be some hate. I felt like there was some hate. I really liked the ending stretch. Where Inoue's going for her uh, t- uh, um, uh, Norio Tateno jumping like knee drops and knees to the head. Uh, she does end up finishing Shimoda off with the move, but uh, Shimoda's getting better. Uh, the These are two people on the rise along with Etsuko Mita, and you definitely see it. I uh, talked about that a lot, a lot in the last episode with the big LCO main event uh, for them finally showing off what they could do out of the Akira Hokuto spotlight. 
So I recommend this match a lot. Uh, it was the most interesting to me. Uh, this was followed by a 22-and-a-half-minute Aja Kong and Bull Nakano tag team match defeating Kaori Ito and Saki Hasegawa. I'm sick of this Ito and Hasegawa team. Uh, and it has a lot to do with Ito. When Hasegawa was in there going up against Bull and Aja Kong, I was into that. And then Ito gets in, and this woman needs more offense. She's just got nothing. It's how many times do I have to see double foot stomps and, and uh, hip attacks over and over and over again from different points in the ring? I need more variety in my wrestler, and she is not it. Uh, not to mention her gear is an atrocity on this business. Uh, but Kong and Bulnakano essentially uh, could have probably put these two away at any time. It, it's you even got the sense the crowd was just kind of like, okay, what are we doing here? You guys are two of the most pushed people in this company's history <laughs> on the short list, especially now, and you're up against people gunning for the AJW tag titles. Like, eh. But um, Hasegawa getting a fucking Uranagi off on Aja Kong was pretty sick. And we got to our main event. Four stars it was not, <laughs> I would say, from Big Dave here. Uh, at least in my modern eyes. I'm sh Look, I, I say this all the time. I'm sure if I was watching this in real time in 1994 that all these matches would hit way differently. Clearly. You watch these things in real time and you watch them unfold and it makes a difference. But it also makes a difference when you watch them uh, out of the context and out of the time period that it was in. Now, you know, there's some exceptions to that. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I, when I watched that Bull Nakano, uh, Shinobu Kandori chain match on the LLPW reviews, that shit got my blood boiling. It was awesome. And then I'm wondering why it wasn't rated higher. Like It's just sometimes uh, you just take what you can get. In the main event, this was good. Four and a half stars good. Maybe not that high, but uh, gold team combo, Toyota and Yamada going up against Hota and Kyoko Inoue. 22-minute match. I thought it was excellent. That was an excellent match. Uh, Kyoko Inoue and Hota is a team that could work. And Hota coming off the bloody hand match of the previous month. Uh, she's got a lot of momentum on, on her, and she finally has some crowd support. All it took was her hand getting ripped apart in a big-time title match in a main event in front of a couple thousand people. Uh, so let's see if she can keep this momentum going forward, and having matches like this is a good start. Uh, Inoue and Hota, well, Inoue particularly keeps up with Toyota and Yamada very well. Hota, she was less of her egregious stopping the match in its track style that she, like, she's really getting away from the fire jet style and and trying to put her own kind of striking ability into her matches. Chigusa Nagayo, she is not. And the more I watch of her, she is not. <laughs> no controversial statement, but... It's the... So, let me put it this way. When Nagayo and the Crush Gals, right, were doing tags, in whatever capacity, they would always meet their opponent's style and speed. They would never, like, even though Chigusa was very much a kickboxing type person, or however you want to describe her, and Asuka was more mat-based, they never got to the point where it was if Toyota, Manami Toyota, was in the middle of a dropkick spam, that on the third one, they would just move out of the way and saunter around the ring a little bit, and then go for the kick. Chigusa or Asuka would both go 
they would both go into this big time move to carry the momentum their way and pop the audience. And I never get that from Hota in tag matches. And that's what she continues to miss in big prominent positions like this. Uh, I was actually kind of shocked the uh, Toyota Yamada team lost this match on this main event. But is it the end of the world? I don't think so. Uh, maybe it sets up uh, Inoue and Hota for a big tag title match down the line, which I'd be okay with. We're still a ways away from the tag league, so plenty of time to get something like this done. And they they, they also feel like fresh challengers. It's It's very strange now as I'm a few shows into... Uh, 1994 here that the more I like I keep talking about the sense of staleness and I started going down a little road of going through old observers newsletters and trying to find some kind of fan feedback of this time and it was I was kind of stunned to find that a lot of fans both domestically and internationally, the international part would be kind of the Observer newsletter uh, kind of uh, as a pinpoint one example, that they felt the interpromotional matches were becoming stale in the in of, in of themselves while more matches like Akiyoko Wenoe Hota going up against Toyota Yamada felt more fresh because of how much emphasis and focus that all Japan women was putting on people not in the company rather than their own wrestlers. So I found that interesting. I found that very interesting to read that the interpromo because we can we can totally uh, mark that as something that is criticized right now, at least in my circle, uh, in stardom, that the interpromotional stuff is taking up too much time and effort away from your core roster. Uh, all the opportunities are going to people not on not, not the ones you're not paying for. <laughs> like uh, it's it's it feels like a wrong focus, and uh, it does run its run its course like anything else. And there is that sense of fandom where you're sick of seeing people that aren't going to be in this long term continue to take those spots away. Uh, it gets stale like anything else. On the other hand, you know, we have to look at this from another perspective of you're not really watching all the house shows of All Japan Women in the 90s and 80s. You're watching kind of the biggest shows only. You're watching the best of the best while I'm trying to get context over watching the TV shows, watching uh, at least one, mat one, one like show or match or something a month to get more context behind what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing is a, is a roster ravaged with injuries and people maybe not ready for a main event scene or even like they don't even have enough people to do anything with the all Pacific title, for example. Not that I think that they utilize that title well at all to begin with, but that's just an example of like, well, I, how could you, how could you do anything with it with seven healthy people on the roster? And then a bunch of like rookies under two years, just kind of thrown out there. So of course you got to get people from outside companies to kind of come in and, do some business, and if it pops some houses still, I guess you gotta wait it out until you get more rookies or people healthy enough to get back on this roster full-time. They also do a ton of shows, an absurd amount. So, I understand the sense of staleness and wanting to concentrate on the roster, but you also gotta have a roster to concentrate on. 
at the same time. So this is a good good example of they've concentrated on their roster and I got a good main event out of it. The semi-main was fine. I got a good singles match of Inoue and Shimoda, so I'm not like completely down on this. But it is an example of the struggle and choices they have to make. And if I'm to compare that to Stardom again, Stardom doesn't have to make that decision between a ravaged, injury-filled roster, people retiring, rookies uh, still need work. Uh, it is absolutely their choice to do the interpromotional stuff and have have other outside people come in and take spots. Uh, it's it's uh, two sides of the same coin, but you flip it and get different results, right? That was this episode. Uh, the next classics episode is the big February twenty seventh episode, uh, which is headlined by a three WA tag title match. <laughs> It is not a Yumiko Hota Kyoko Inoue rematch, but it's actually of Aja Kong and Saki Asagawa going for the titles. So maybe that'll lead to something down the line for Kyoko and Hota, but they also aren't even tagging on the next show. So, eh. I guess we'll see what happens there. And it's uh, the year of the Tokyo Dome. We're gearing up, and that'll do it for All Japan Women.